serving in the nursery or greeting or ushering or teaching Sunday school or a deacon or serving in many ways that are very important to this church. And I wanted to gather together to talk to you a little bit about that and pray together and look forward together that God might do. So we ask God to help us in this in this room, in this service this morning. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would do what none of us can do, what I can't do, what any atmosphere on this Sunday morning can do to meet together. I pray that you would unite us together in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would unite us together by your Spirit. I pray that you would unite us together in one mission and one goal. And we would all be rallied around it. We would love it. And we would seek you with all our heart and all our soul, all our might. In Jesus' name, amen. It's probably not going to be helpful for me to go around and get everybody's name this morning. If we had smaller meetings, we would do that. Uh, you already know, at least you should know, it, I, I was here about, I think, three or four times this summer. I'm trying to remember, is it three? I think I was here three times this summer. Here's my fourth time now. And, and now we're here for good. And as you know, someone asked me, what do I like to be called? Um, I don't mind. If you call me Daniel, I don't mind. If you call me Dan, I don't mind, but I won't say anything. Um, now, I, if someone asked me, I, I prefer Daniel or Pastor Daniel. Uh, and I don't mind pastor. I love that title. For, um, for the, I was a pastor for 11 years in Minnesota. In the last two years, I wasn't in Someone called me that recently. I was like, I love to hear that. I, I love being a shepherd, and I'm thankful to be here and be your shepherd. And and so um, my, my wife, Molly, will be coming here pretty soon. She's got the kids, and look forward to having her with us. And so I wanted to share a, a few things about what we're going to be doing. And my, my goal in the next few months is to get to know you better get to know what's going on at Faith, um, whether it be on Sunday mornings or on Mondays or Tuesdays or Wednesdays or out throughout the week, the things that we've been doing, talking to you, asking God to show us and lead us. At times in ministries, there are, there are things that we do that we all will agree and say, hey, you know what, we can do it differently or we should, we should stop doing this and we need to start doing this. And I want to get us, I want to listen to you as we say, God, what is it that you want us to do? What is the most important thing that your word drives us to do as the people of God at Faith Baptist Church? And so, and, but what is very critical, is it is not about a pastor doing as a boss or CEO, kind of just leading and everybody follow and do exactly. No, it is about the pastor leading and pastors leading and, and deacons coming and serving with pastors, but it is the whole body of Christ coming together, and I, so often God leads and directs through the Spirit working in the members of the body, confirming things, affirming things, and, what, and I, I want to get a sense of where we are and where we need to go. One of the things, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this, but, it's, but I, you, I, want, I want you to hear this, because you guys are servants, you guys are serving, helping, and ministering. I want you to see the big picture of what we're doing. Because what I'm going to share this morning in, Sunday, in the Sunday service is going to be a beginning of a seven-week series that is foundational to the life of the church. Uh, two months ago, 
as I knew that I was going to be entering into pastoral ministry, I had already been to talking with Lee and the, uh, the deacons here at the church. And I had talked to some other churches as well that was looking to hire me. And, and I, I stepped back and I said, okay, what is the most important foundational things that I have learned is very important, that God's Word has taught me is important for the church? And I wrote down several things. And in those things, I, I put them down into seven things that I want to share in the next seven Sundays that are foundational. And they are foundational to everything. They are foundational to how we think about nursery. They are foundational to how we think about serving as, as deacons or deaconesses, serving in the kitchen or greeting. They are foundational to outreach and ministry. They are foundational to everything we do and, and to all of our lives. In fact, they're not just foundational if you're into the church structure thing. They're, that's not even that. You could take them beyond that to the personal your personal life, and I believe that they are they're foundational to you as an individual. Those, those, the, I'm just going to say what the first one is, and that is the Word of God, and that's where I'm going to be on. That's where I'm going to focus on this morning. The Word of God is foundational. We at faith must be a people that are Bible-saturated. We have to be Bible-centered, Bible-saturated, Bible-driven. The Word of God is our authority. We love the Word of God. We live upon the Word of God. We realize that all our authority, all our sufficiency, only comes through God breathing life into us. And His, His life comes to us in many ways through this book. And we really learn what God was teaching the Israelites when he said, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So as, as you come and as we start this kind of new chapter in the life of faith, Baptist Church, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's the same book, God doing his same work in the same area, in the same building, and with the same people, and, and we're we pray and trust with new people, but it's, it's a new chapter, and, and as we do that, I, I want to join with you and say, let's pray that God would do an exciting, mighty work, first with ourselves. As you think about your tasks that you're going to do this year, whether it be on that worship team, on that soundboard whether it be in one of these rooms throughout this building, whether it be doing something out, whether it be in small groups or in service projects and helping, doing different things, whatever it may be, I want you, as you go into this fall semester, fall, fall year, or this, as I say, this first year as this, in this new chapter, I want to challenge you to ask yourself this question, or to, to look at the mirror and say, God, would you help? Would you work in that person, the one that I see in the mirror? Will you work in me? Will you work in my own heart? My, when I say my own heart, I mean my own motivations. Will you work in my own way of doing things so that I would look at the things that maybe I've done over and over again and often do not seem that significant or might seem significant, and realize that it's not me, it's you, God. And it's not a little thing, because it's a, it's a great opportunity to actually impact someone's life. I want, so let's go to God's Word. 
Let's go to look at God's Word for just a few minutes. Could you look at 1 Peter chapter 4? 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. As I read these verses, would you would you think of these verses in terms of your your area, your stewardship, your place where you are working and serving and thinking, and you're going, or maybe maybe you want to get involved and you're going to ask and say, hey, how can I serve, Pastor, Deacons, Pastors, Wes, Jay? Okay, look at First Peter four ten. As each has received a gift. And what he means by that is as each member, as you have received a gift, use it to serve one another. Use it to serve one another. Let's say that. Use it to serve one another. We'll try it again. Use it to serve one another. And then he says, as good stewards of God's very grace... Whoever speaks, now he's applying it. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What he's saying here. Here, 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 I want you to see three points here because a good sermon has three points, right? Okay, first of all, this passage says we need to serve one another. And so, faith, that's our command. That's, that's my command. That's your command. We're all called to serve one another. We're, we're to, to so lay down our lives. We are to, like, do what Jesus did and wash one another's feet and actually look towards the needs of others. Be great and serve. We need to serve one another. That's the first thing we see here. Then he says, serve one another by God's help. And then he says, serve one another for God's, by God's help for God's glory. This passage says, serve one another. But he doesn't just say, he says, serve one another, not your own strength. Do it with God's help. And then do it for the reason that God has called us all to live for is for his glory. I want you to see that for a minute. He's, first of all, he says, serve one another. So as each have received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very gifts. And the assumption here is that each one of us are called to use, are, are given a gift, and we're called to use our gifts. And, and we are called to use our gifts, our strengths, our resources. Some of you know what those gifts are. Some of you do not know what your gifts are. And you don't care, you don't focus on that other than you serve. Some of you know exactly, hey, God's gifted me in these areas, and I want us to work towards you being able to use your gifts for the good of the body, the edification of the body. What is it that God has wired you to be good at or to enjoy or find yourself fruitful in as you help other people and as you help people in all of life or in the church? I think those are very closely related to what your gifts are. But the point here Peter's saying is, he says... Each of you has received a gift. Use it to serve. This is not a pastor. You do the most of the work of the ministry. Or Wes, or Jay, or the deacon.
deacons or a small amount of people. He says, as each of you has received a gift, so use it to serve the body. Now, here's, here's, I think, because most of you, as I'm looking around, you are those that have been involved and are, are volunteering in churches. And so you know that you're supposed to do that, and you're serving in some capacity. I want you to focus really on the second one this morning. The second point that I see here is he says, for serve with God's help. Look, look at that passage. If anyone, whoever speaks, is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Do you do that? Will you do that this year? I want to, I want to give a suggestion about how you can do that this year. How you can so look and have a ministry mindset in everything you do as you come on a Sunday morning, as you prioritize to be here on time and to be here to serve one another after the service, before the service, as you think towards the needs that are in the church and including others in the church. Here, Peter says, serve. If anyone serves, let him serve in the strength that God provides. Let him serve in the strength that God provides. What here? I like what Paul Paul says it this way. He says he says whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Or he said it to the to the Corinthians. He says, but the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. There is a type of serving that we are called to do that is striving and is working hard. But it is an absolute dependence on God. I pray that God does remarkable things in kids' ministry this year. And in teen ministry this year. And in, in this Service. I pray that in this service, in, with with that those instruments right there, and with Jay's leadership, and I pray from this pulpit right up here, and I pray that in these pews and from the work of that soundboard back there, helping assist that there not be a distraction. I pray that down these halls and in these classrooms, God would be doing a mighty work through this book by His Spirit doing. An amazing thing. But I tell you what, it won't be because we did it in our own strength. It won't be because we just studied hard enough, worked hard enough, came up with a crafty enough plan, a great enough marketing plan, a great enough way to get everybody in so that we're so cool and all that. That's not going to be why or how it's going to truly happen. The only way it's going to happen is that by the grace of God working through our work, a work that we realize is absolutely God's work, we are absolutely dependent on God's work. One of my favorite psalms is 127. You can turn there if you want. Psalm 127 is, is a psalm worth every one of you knowing, or at least memorizing the first couple of verses, or at least the gist of those verses. Psalm 127 
is is a, a verse that I want to I want to claim, I want to proclaim, I want to keep right before us as you think about your job. You're, you're called the usher, and you want to do the best job of ushering and greeting. Say you're greeting, and you want you want when people come to have that first impression, not to be all about faith Baptist, but all about Jesus Christ. And you want to, just like Romans, Romans 15 says, you want to welcome them in the name of Jesus, because Christ welcomed you in the gospel. And you want them to see the love of Christ, and you shining through in some way that doesn't it's not relatable, by, it's not definable by human way. How do you do that? I, I like what Romans 1, 27 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Every parent, you need to know this. Unless the Lord builds the house, every construction worker, unless the Lord builds the house, Everyone that's doing an endeavor, and you're called to do an endeavor, whether it be you're a youth worker, you're helping volunteer in the youth ministry, or you are serving tables, you are setting up things for fellowship ministry, you are you're working in different capacities. This is what the psalmist says, Psalm, Solomon actually, he says, unless the Lord builds the house, our labor is in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. What he is not saying is, God has to build houses, so put the hammer down. He's not saying, God has to protect the city, so put that sword down and get off the guard tower, because you don't need to watch the city. God does that, and he doesn't say, you don't have to build anything. God does it. This is Solomon who built the temple. That pleased the Lord. What he's saying is, we do things. We pray, we work, we prepare, we study, we show up, we do all our preparations, we think, we, we think of all the details, we try to work really hard to be really diligent, but unless the Lord builds a house, unless God does it, all our labor is, is futile. Now the point of it is, what the point of this psalm will be, and God does build a house, God does watch a city through our working, and and God does do that for those who are absolutely dependent, trusting in Him as they do it. It's all about our heart and mindset as we do it. As we go and say, man, yes, I, I did a good job doing this, but it was not me that did it, but it was God that was working in me. Pray, I, I thank God for His work. I'm thankful for what He has done. I, I pray that God would use my preaching ministry and others' preaching ministry here in the church, but it, it would be God that does it in our lives. He would use your teaching in Sunday school or in kids or your serving our little ones in the nursery and doing some of the very the most difficult things that God would help you change diapers to the glory of God. Now, he's, he, he concl- I, want, I want to think about how we do that. Now, by, by sharing with you, one of, the, one of the tools that God has used in my life to try to live in the strength that God provides and not my own strength, it's, just, it's a helpful tool that I've used. I've used it 
in teaching my kids at times when they're struggling big time over something, and they go, yeah, Dad, I try, I try, I try, but I can't do it. I seem to fail every time. And I brought this to them, and it's helped them. It's, it's helped me so much. I use it almost every Sunday when I get up to preach. When I'm, when I'm facing a challenge that seems overwhelming, when I'm scared or I'm nervous, and I have to accomplish a task, I want to share with you the, the, this, this tool, this this way. I learned it probably before I started pastoring from John Piper. He once, I don't remember if he shared it in a sermon, if he shared it in a, in a book, um, but it's called Aptat. Aptat. A-P-T-A-T. Say it again. Aptat. A-P-T-A-T. And it just, it stands for four words in acrostic. Aptat is something that I remember when I'm Often sitting here or wherever I'm going to sit, right before I get up to preach, and Jay's finishing his song, and I know I'm going to get up, and I'm going to declare the word of God to you. Aptat goes through my mind. When I, when I have to get up in a funeral that's very difficult, um, or a, a type of meeting that is absolutely terrifying to me, aptat. Well, what does that mean? It's not some mantra. It's not some type of thing that I rub together and try to get good luck. It is a reminder of me, to me, how I absolutely need to do, serve in the strength that God supplies, and that unless God builds this house, all my labor is in vain. Here's what APTAT stands for. A. Admit. I must begin by admitting that I cannot do anything apart from God's grace. I have to begin by, I begin by admitting that as I get up to preach this morning, God, I can't do anything in the hearts of anybody unless you, God, do the real work. God, you must do, I admit to you that you must do all the heavy lifting in my life. I, I'm, I'm, I'm your messenger but it's your messenger. You're the message. You are the power. You have to do it. I admit that this morning I am too tired to do it in my own strength. I have to admit today I do not feel like it, but I, am, I, I admit that I can't do it in my strength as I go in to serve in the nursery, as I go in to serve in the Sunday school, as I go to serve as an usher or a greeter or back in the sound, or as I think about it, God, I admit that I can't do it apart from your grace and apart from your strength, I am nothing. God, I need your help. That's that's number. That's A. Then P. I pray. Now, I've already started praying by admitting. Admitting is acknowledgement that I can't do it myself. Pray, pray for help. God, I, so I just said to you, I can't do it. I confess that I can't do it. Now I pray, I pray for help. He asks us to ask for help. God, will you help me today? Will you, I pray to you, God, will you help me right now in this hour as I have to teach this class or as I have to meet in this deacon's meeting or as I have to meet in the, I have to serve in the nursery or with the teens or to play up on the, play in the worship team. God, would you help me, would you help me serve in the strength you provide? Would you give me your strength? Would you give me your words? Would you give me your joy as I serve your people? Would you help me 
to make contact with people and show Jesus' love to that person today. Would you help me? Because I need your help. That's the P for Aptap. A, admit. P, pray. A, act. Okay? i got to do it. Now it's time to do it. So I'm sitting here. God, I can't preach today unless you help me. God, please help me. God, please help me. I'm praying. Now I need to get up and I need to preach. Act. I act in faith. Act in obedience to God's word. I'm supposed to go. Man, I, man I, I'm so tired. I don't want to get up and go do that this morning. It's, I have to get this so early to be there in the nursery this early. Doesn't say, God, I'm going to go and I'm going to trust that you're going to give me the strength. I'm going to act. I'm going to go and do it. It's not just about letting go and letting God. There is a, I'm going. I'm going to act. But I've admitted that I can't get my own strength. I pray for help. I'm now going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to preach. I'm going to teach. I'm going to greet. I'm going to serve. I'm going to lead a small group. I'm going to do whatever it is. Trust. Thank you. Thank you. Just to see if you were paying attention. Thank you. A, admit. P, pray. I thought I was missing some here. T, trust. Trust. God, I trust that you... you, This is a really big one. This is a big independence. God, I've, I've asked you for help. You said you'd give me help. You said you'd give me help. I trust that you're going to give me help to trust. I absolutely need your help. I trust you. You said you told me to do this. You you want me to you want me to serve in the strength that you'll provide. I asked for it. You're going to give me the strength to provide. It might be really hard. It might be painful, but you're going to give me the strength to do what you've called me to do. You're going to give me joy in this. Trust and then act. Jump the gun on the act. We act. We do what we we admit. We pray. We trust. We act. We act, and we say, "God, I'm, I'm going to go do it." And then the last T is thank. The last T is thank. Thank God. God, thank you for your help. You're on, you're driving home from church. God, thank you for helping me today. What if everyone? Thank you for using that Sunday school class in the kids' lives. Thank you for using my opportunity to greet people at the door. I don't know who I touched, but I committed it to you, and I trust that you allowed that time to minister to somebody. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Keep doing that work. Thank you. What if every one of us here at Faith went into a Sunday morning with that thing? God, I, I, can't, I can't listen to your word apart from your grace. That's one of the jobs that you'll have every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning, you come in here and you have a job, and that is to listen to God's Word in order to believe it, obey it, and treasure it. God, I can't do it apart from your grace. Help me. God, I trust you're going to give me help. Okay, I'm listening. I'm going to listen diligently as your Word has told me to. God, thank you for your Word. What if we did that every Sunday morning in the service? with the tasks that we are called to do, including just the tasks that every one of us has, on every Sunday morning, you are you all as leaders and as servant leaders 
are called to welcome those that come here. Those that have been here for 20 years and those who have been here for, well, this is their first Sunday. And you want them to receive and be greeted by the love of Jesus Christ. And we need to do it not in our own strength. But as Peter says, whoever serves, let him serve in the strength God provides. Now I want you to see, this is his purpose for this. So that in everything, God will get the glory. He includes it by saying, so that in order that every in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. I, lo- I love how God works. God works in us to serve. He gives us strength to serve, and he gets the glory. We get the help, he gets the glory. He is seen as the all-sufficient one, but we are dependent on him, and he is at work. And our souls were made not to be the end, end of glory, but to be reflectors of glory. We weren't made to be satisfied when we get the praise. We were the ultimate praise. We were made to, to point to Jesus and say, He gets the glory. It was His work in my life. It is Him working through me. I am a channel of His grace. Those are some thoughts that I wanted to share with you about service this year, for this year. Um, any questions on this or any comments on this? I like to kind of. I want to stop here for a minute. I have a few more things I want to go talk about, but any other any comments or questions? Amen. Don't you think it's exciting if we all had this mindset? If we do, I mean, some of us do, but not all. If we're united, if, imagine God's people together praying for God to do a work in our lives. That's what I, I pray for. Um, what I think the biggest thing I want I want to say is I want to say as we go into this year, I look forward to getting to know you. I want to thank you. A, a, a healthy church is is led and lived out not by a few people but by the body of Christ. It is it is the members of the church, not just the staff of the church, not primarily the staff of the church. It is the members of the church who are are serving in the strength that God provides. They love it. Others are benefited and God gets the glory. And, and I, want to, I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for your service. I want to anticipate a new year. I want. I, I pray that we would all go into saying, okay, God, what can I do? What do you want me to do? God, what might you do in the United... I hope you're here in the next few weeks, and I'm going to give an overview of the sermon series. And then, and then in November, we're going to get into the book of Colossians. But we start now in praying, God, would you use these seven sermons? And then... Would you use Colossians to just enliven our hearts in a greater way? Not for our own sakes only, but for this community, for my family, for the world. Would you do that? Would you do that work? Now, we're going to wrap up pretty soon and we can fellowship and we'll be, we'll be about a half hour or 
maybe 25 minutes before the service, and worship team will get ready, final preparations for the service. And, um, so we'll, we'll be wrapping up soon. But I wanted to see is, where's Wes? Wes and Jay. Oh, Wes and with the kids. Great. So I was, I was going to see if Jay, Jay, did you have anything you wanted to add or in regard? No? Okay. Julie? to know a lot of your names, but as one of you came up to me and just immediately told me your name, that was very helpful, so thank you. Um, any questions or business, this, this is what I want to wrap up with, any business that you guys have um, that you want to mention that you think that it might benefit everybody here to know about what's going on? Maybe not, I know it's give you a lot of time to prepare to think about that. Jason Mixley, and what I, I feel like this church has a spirit of this already because I've got I was able to, as an outsider coming in over the last over the summer to be able to taste this to see this to kind of check on this because I'm new but you do a good job and I would say keep it up and what I mean by it is some of the best reading ministry you need to have a reading ministry a formal reading ministry is, is helpful but some of the greatest reading ministry is every one of you, where it's not, it doesn't feel fake, or it doesn't feel professional, it's, man, I'm just really glad you're here, and, hey, what's your name, is this your first time, oh, no, it's your third year, sorry, you know, that's okay, that's okay, um, it's better to be awkward that way than just to not say anything, and as, as we see. I think one, one of the things that I'm going to share in my sermon series is fellowship. It's the sixth sermon, or the fifth sermon, is on, on the importance of true fellowship. What, is fe- what really is it? Did we have it? Are we pursuing it like God has called us to do it? And it will relate to our body, life, our life together as the church, Jesus Christ. So. Yes, Brad.
So we're about 11,000 short. Okay. We need about 55,000. We have about 44,000. Pray for that. Anything else? Yes. Standard Version. But that, that's what I've been using now. Yeah, see, this is good. This is, I like questions. And any other, like, home, family business that needs to be brought up? Yes. Look at God's word at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to be reading the first three verses. I'm going to start in Deuteronomy 8, but we're going to be at a lot of passages of Scripture this morning. Such will be this series, which I'm going to tell you about in a few minutes. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. I'd like to do something. And that song that we just sang is a song we'll sing again. And I want that to be our, our echo, our cry, our prayer. Each Sunday as we gather and we listen before the Word of God. Because I really believe, and I, I hope that you believe more after you even hear this word this morning, that I believe and I I need to believe more that God's word is what does everything. It, speak, O oh Lord, so your church will be built and the earth will be filled with your glory. So I'm going to do what I asked you to do. I'm going to do and I'm going to ask you to do what I did last time I was preaching here in the end of August. And I do it because I want for us to stop and go, thank you, God. So when I finish reading the text, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you would say, thanks be to God, thanks be to God. 
Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 through 3, the whole commandment that I commanded you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. Now mark this, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I pray, I praise you for it. I praise you that we all sit in this room with Bibles or devices that have access to this, your word. I pray that we would listen to it and believe it and obey it and treasure it. I pray that you would do what I can't do, and I trust you to do, that you would open your word and open our hearts and change us and breathe life into us, saving grace for those that are in this room who have no spiritual life and need to be saved this morning. And you would give sustaining and sanctifying life, life that transforms us by faith into a greater knowledge and greater Conformity to Jesus Christ. I pray you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. This is my first sermon as the pastor of Faith Baptist Church. This is my first sermon in a series. And therefore, it is the first series for the church with me as a senior pastor. So, I entitled this series... First things first. About two months ago, I, I sat in my office in Wisconsin, and I sat back and I said, okay, as I'm going into the pastor, because I believe that's where I was going to go, I didn't know it was going to come to faith yet, and as I, as I sat there, I said, okay, what have you learned, what has God's word taught you and experience taught you in church ministry that you need to make foundational in the life of the church? What are the first principles, the very the bedrock, what grounds everything we do? And I wrote down several things, and I want to bring seven of them to you in the next seven weeks. I want for my the first seven weeks for us to look at these very important truths that are founded in, if they're worth anything, it's because they're driven by this word, and we're going to see that this morning. This word is our authority. I want to look at these seven things that I believe that God intends for us to listen to, believe, obey, and love. And as we listen, believe, obey, and love, God is at work in us, and we will see remarkable things. We will be, we will be putting the very first things first. I like what Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits, he says, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing for us is to keep the main thing the main thing. It's so often, and 
I know you know because you experience this, that we live our lives and we stop and go, oh, man, I, ah, what am I doing? That's not important. I'm living for these non-important, but they feel urgent in my life things, and I'm not keeping the main thing the main thing. I want to talk about the main thing these, these next few weeks. I pray that the main thing and the main things will so drive this church, and I believe it has driven this church. I, I sit here knowing and praising God for Pastor Jack's ministry and Pastor Ken's ministry. And Jack being part of the body here, I, I, what an honor, but I'm thankful that it has. But I want to maintain and continue forward, keeping the main thing, the main thing, as we desperately honor God by His grace and look at these things. And I want to give you a quick overview, and I want to get into the first one this morning. I do think, and I want you to hear this and not think, oh, that's just for those that are leading the church so that we know how to lead it with the main thing. That's not what you should think this morning. I want you to think in terms of how I, I believe this needs to be applied. These seven main things, these seven first principles, these first things first items that I'm going to bring to you are things that are important for this church, for this pastor, for the leadership in this church and every individual, not just so that you can help lead this church well, it's for your own soul, for your own life, for your own joy. Here are the seven things that I want to bring to you this morning, or this these next few weeks. Seven things that I think are critical to keep our minds on, never turn away from, that are crucial to a healthy, vibrant, obedient church and vibrant healthy person in God. Here are the seven things. The Word, and they're going to pop up here. The Word, God, the Gospel, the Mission, Fellowship, Prayer, and Leadership. On October 4th, which is today, I want to talk about the Word. The church and individual does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This church lives by the word of God. His word stops, we're gone. I want you to feel it in a greater way this morning. I pray that you will. The word of God is our standard to submit to and our source that gives us life. To live on the word of God, we must listen to the word of God. We must believe the word of God. We must obey the word of God and treasure the word of God. Next week, we'll look at the subject of God himself. We do not see God but by God's word, but God is primary. God's word is beautiful because it shows us God. One of the most important things about the church and one of the most important things about you as an individual is your view of God. This will transform everything about how you think, you believe, you love, and live. Everything. Not just church or religious stuff. Transforms everything. Everyone needs to understand that they were made to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. We must listen to, believe, obey, and delight in this truth. Third, the gospel. The Word of God and the glory of God are centered clearly in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the center of the church and is the power of God for salvation and what we call sanctification or being growing in likeness of Jesus. The church is about the glory of God in the world through the gospel. 
Can we just salute them? We need to get the gospel. We may have a battery issue here. No, we don't. We're good. It's all good. The gospel needs to be listened to, believed, obeyed, and delighted in the truth. The mission. The word calls us to glorify God as the gospel transforms us to be people on a mission. We don't just exist for a holy huddle. We are on a mission. We are called to do something. We are called to make disciples because we love God and others. We are to do it. And then the next one, through fellowship, we are to do it together. The church is called the family of God or the body of Christ. We are members of but we are one body. We are many members, but one body. Fellowship is the coming together. Fellowship is not just sitting around in an old church basement or in the fellowship hall or, or getting together at someone's house, and we call that fellowship. Fellowship is the coming together of many into one mind and one purpose and one goal, striving for the same thing, united by the Spirit, with the gospel, for the world. And I pray that we would all learn to listen to that truth, believe that truth, obey that truth, and love it. Prayer. The power of God through the gospel. We need to be a praying church. It's the power of God through the gospel to live out the church's mission happens as God's people pray. I believe that God will do a remarkably more bigger thing, greater work in your life and in my heart and my preaching and through all the ministries that go on at Faith Baptist and what will happen in those who come into this room if you pray than if you didn't pray. That is an amazing reality that God sovereignly uses the preaching, the praying of God's people to do things to move mountains. And lastly, leadership. The God-ordained means of leading a fellowship of people who are being transformed by the gospel to make disciples for his glory is through godly leadership in the home and the church. Without leadership, the people falter and the church is not built up. And so we need to listen to, believe, obey, delight in the gift of biblical leadership. Those are the seven things. Those are the first things first that I want to bring to you. And then in November, we're going to get dive into the book of Colossians. We're going to go through the book of Colossians passage by passage in in November. But here we want, we're going to begin by word. We are going to look at the word every week. We must rely upon the word every week, but we are going to look at the word this morning, what God says this morning. This church has a doctrinal statement. Do you have it memorized? Anyone? Lee, do you have it memorized? Pastor Jack, do you have it? No, okay. I didn't expect anybody to have it memorized. Our doctrinal statement says we believe that the Holy Bible was written by men supernaturally inspired. That is the truth without a mixture of error, and therefore is and shall remain to the end of the age the only and complete and final revelation of God's will to man. It is the true center 
of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all conduct, creeds, and opinions shall be tried. The Bible is the 66 books of, in the, from Genesis to Revelation, which are as originally written as not only contain and convey the word of God, but is the word of God. Here's my proposition to you, church. Faith Baptist Church, live upon the word of God. My charge to myself, my charge to this church as a whole, and my charge to you individually this morning in this service is this. Live upon the word of God. I read those verses this morning, 13 verses that are transformative to our lives. We need to know them. We need to listen, believe, obey, and treasure them. Here are those 13 verses, 13 words at the end of Deuteronomy 8.3. Man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What I want to do in this sermon is to talk to you about why we need to live upon the word of God and how we live upon the word of God. Why should we live upon the word of God? I'm going to tell you things you already know. Some of you may not. I mean, I don't know your Bible knowledge of the scriptures. But what I want to do is I want to take this word, and I want to speak about how this word must be critical in your life and in my life and in this church's life. And I think that all of you, most of you, would probably say, I know that, and I, amen, preacher, amen, pastor. But I pray that you'll go away going, I know it like I didn't know it before. I, I delight in it like I didn't delight in it before. I didn't, realize, I didn't realize experientially how critical it is, how, how I must prioritize it in a greater way in my life, how I must love it more, how I want to go after it. I want to go after it like a, a, someone on a quest for precious silver, hidden silver and gold. That this is a treasure that I need to know. I want to tell you why we need to live upon the Word of God. And then how. Why? By, by answering the why, I want to show you and remind you, to many of you, what the Scripture says about the Scripture. What the Word of God says about the Word of God. Because it is remarkable. This is a first thing. This is a main thing for us to keep, for every individual in every church. And I want you to, in a few minutes, I, I want you to listen and just take in what God's Word says. And would you take in, in, in such a way to say, God, would you please speak to my heart on the value of this Word and help me to live in accordance to how valuable it is? Meaning, if it's not very valuable... Don't make it a priority. If this book is not very valuable or very powerful or very important, don't waste your time. But if it really is what it says it is, our life should be shaped around this book. I have, I have a lot of verses here. And I will have my notes provided for you on the church blog, so that you, or if you contact me, I'll print you off a copy, or we'll get you one at the office. If, if you can't go online, we'll, give you, we'll provide these notes for you, um, so that you can read through them on your own. But here they are. I want you to just be amazed by this. Why should we live upon the Word of God? 
First, because God, all life originates from God's word. Think about it. Genesis 1 and 2. And God said, and it happened. God said that there be light and there was light. God made man. He spoke it and it happened. God's word brings life. I just read in Deuteronomy 8, man does not live by bread alone. Man lives on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Hebrews 1.3 says, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. From Putin to Obama to every college and university, every institution and structure in this world, it is upheld by God's word. God's good success was promised to the Israelites in Joshua 1. He said, this book of shall not depart of your mouth. You shall meditate. You should be careful to do all that I commanded you. You'll have good success. He said, you'll make the word the priority. Nehemiah in Ezra, revival taking place at the end of Nehemiah and Ezra by the book being read. The book is being read in Ezra, the scribe, the book of the Lord. I think we have a, I think we have a battery issue, or is it a short issue? Here, let me just take one of these mics. So this might work? Okay. you to see in Nehemiah chapter 8 that God's people, this, they took, they told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law that God had commanded and he read from it face, and he read it facing the square before the water gate and the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. In Psalm 1 Blessed is the man who meditates on God's word day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. Psalm 19 says, He revives the soul. He makes wise the simple. The word of God does. The word rejoices the heart. Do you need your heart revived? Are you here this morning and are you discouraged? Do you need your heart revived? The word enlightens the eyes. It endures forever. It's righteous altogether. It's more desired than gold. It's sweeter than honey. And keeping it is great reward. It keeps our young man's way pure. It keeps him from sin. It gives him life. Psalm 119 says, My soul clings to dust. Give me life according to your word. If your word was not my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. It doesn't stop. The word of God doesn't stop. I'm talking about the word of God. Isaiah 55 says, it just like rain comes and it just doesn't return to heaven, but it waters the earth, it brings forth vegetation and sprout, and seed, 
giving food to the eater. So my word goes out from my mouth. It shall not come away empty, but it shall accomplish all that I can I purpose. Jeremiah said, your words to me, were, were, your words were found and I ate them. And they were the joy and delight of my heart. Ezekiel 37 says that when God is going to do a mighty work, he, said, he gave a prophecy and he said, it was like there's a valley of dry bones, skeletons, just bones that are laying in the valley. And the prophet would proclaim God's word and flesh would come up, those bones would be restored, flesh would come out of those bones, and God would restore and resurrect life. In the new covenant, God promises someday to write his law, and that's what he's doing now, his law within our hearts. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, He who hears my words and does them will be like a wise man. Jesus said, if you abide in my words, you will have have your prayers answered. Whatever you wish, it will be done for you. Matthew 28, go and teach all that I have commanded you. The apostles came to Jesus and said, you have the words of eternal life. In the book of Acts... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And all who heard the word believed. The word of the Lord continued to increase, Acts 6, 7. Acts 10, 44, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Acts 12, 24, the word of God increased and multiplied. Acts 13, 49, the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Acts 19, so the word of the Lord continued and increased and prevailed mightily. Romans 10, so faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And I can go on and on. The armor of God is in the word of God, Paul said in in Ephesians 6. Paul told Timothy to preach the word. All all scripture is profitable for teaching and instruction. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Probably most of you would not would say you do believe it in a mental ascent sort of way. I know that's true. I believe that to be true. But do you believe it in such a way that your life's come to such dependence and such devotion to this book? As I think about the future ministry at Faith Baptist Church as a pastor, I have been overwhelmed by the the caring love, the prayers, the kindness, the notes that have been sent to you. And there's been zeal and excitement that we're coming and this feeling of, man, Daniel, Pastor Daniel, you're going to come and this is going to happen. I would say, I am not going to do anything that God, it isn't what God does and he's going to do it through this book. If God's going to do a work here at Faith, it's going to be because He's going to do it, and He's going to work through this book. He's going to work through this book by His Holy Spirit, working when this book is opened week by week, not just here, but during 
the hour before and during small groups or other meeting times. And when you're sitting in your house, opening up your Bible or with your family, when this through this book, but I pray especially during these Sunday morning services that God would do a special work and he would do what I just read, just a sampling of passages of scripture where it says God gives life through his word. Man does not live by bread. He lives by God's word. Bread is something that God's used, but God doesn't need to use bread, but he uses his word. It's his word that gives us life. If he stops speaking our existence, we don't exist. The same is true of our spiritual life. Our spiritual life is completely dependent. This morning, our souls really need God and his word and believe in God's word. God's word... And so the answer, the question that I want to ask, that I asked was, why do we need God's word? To sum it up, because one, it gives me spiritual life. It gives me spiritual life. I need spiritual life. I don't know about you, but I don't wake up every morning just feeling absolutely overwhelmed and loved in love with God. I'm sorry, this pastor, that's not what you got in this pastor. I don't feel that every morning. I don't just naturally go about my day delighting in and wanting to serve and please God in all that I do and all that I think and all that I say. It's because I have, there is at the heart of my heart, the very soul, core of my soul, there is a battle of what I believe in and what I love. And the word of God comes in and transforms what I believe in. So I quit believing a lie because anything that is not loving God more is actually believing a lie. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, it was all about a word issue. They were breathed into existence by God's word. And our first parents had a word issue. They didn't believe God's word rightly. They twisted God's word and listened to the word of the serpents fell and rebelled. And so we all do. We have a word issue. We need God's word. We need it bad and we need it for spiritual life because God's word can bring us faith in him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith, God's word brings hope. God brings hope. As we trust in him, we hope that God is doing a work in our lives, that we have eternal life. There is an inheritance laid up for us, that he loves us. And that we're going to love him, faith, hope, and love. Because God's word brings us knowledge of God's character and understanding of his promises that we need to cling to. And proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we need every day and we need to give to others. That's not all that the word of God gives and why I need it. I need it because it gives me life, spiritual life. But I also need it because it warns me of danger. God's word needs to be trusted and believed like you would believe in a much greater way than you would believe a friend that's a doctor. Say you have a friend, a very good friend who loves you, cares about you. This doctor isn't out to get your money. This doctor cares about you because it's a personal friend and wants what's best for you and wants your health. That doctor is going to warn you, don't do this. Your medical condition, you should never do this. You wouldn't go, he just wants to ruin my fun. He's, he's just a killjoy. No, thank you. That warning is for my good. 
God's, so God's word is warning for our good. It gives me instruction for life, just like a doctor, would, a good doctor that cares for us would say, and you need to, and I give you these instructions. Make sure you pay very careful attention to these instructions because they will be benefit your health. So God's word is a instruction guide for us, not because God wants us to jump, jump through hoops or does not care about how we feel. He cares most truly about our heart, and he cares about how we truly feel forever, and he gives us instructions for life. It gives me protection from an enemy. You and I absolutely need protection from Satan, from our own sin, and from the world. And this book keeps us from sin. This book helps us fight with the belt of truth. This this book helps us with the sword of the Spirit to fight against the enemy. It, gives, it, is, it is this book that gives us the shield of faith when trial and temptation, because I don't know most of you yet, but I know that most of you carry massive burdens and massive trials because such is the issues of life. Such is the situation of all man woman. And you face that. And we need this word. We need this word in order to give us comfort from the storms of life. We need this word that so gives us the promises of God. So when we're overwhelmed with fear, God reminds us that, so do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my righteous hand. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sure, the goodness and mercy shall follow me. I need God's word because it gives me comfort, because it brings me to God. And it gives me the knowledge of his will. Now, that's a lot, I realize. I'm just, I'm kind of like, just, here's a fire, fire hose and take a drink. Here, here's a lot. If you'll get this, I want you to stop and go, God's word is so necessary. God's word is necessary for this church and God's word is necessary for you. God's word is necessary for your marriage and for your family and for your job. It's so necessary for your health. It's so necessary for your well-being in every single way. God's word is so needed. So much so that God said to his people when they were coming into the wilderness, I taught you this, that man lives on every word that comes from the mouth of So how do we do it? I want to challenge you, how do you do it? How do you live upon the Word of God? Here are four ways. These aren't steps that you paint by number so you can get it right. These are not just a four-step, this is how you do it. They're not, but I want to give you categories right now. And then over time, I want to bring to you different, as we preach the Word, I want to bring different ways of, of applying God's Word. But here are four things, categories, I want you to think about how you need to live upon God's Word. First of all, you need to listen to God's Word. We need to listen to God's Word. By listening to God's Word, we we live upon His Word. That means we listen on Sunday morning. We come. It is is so easy because the last two years, I was not a pastor 
I was serving in a Christian ministry, but I was not a pastor. So I came and I sat, I sat down and listened to the Word of God each week. And I would tell you, I know it's not always easy. You come, you have distractions, you have kids, there's other kids, there are what people are wearing, there is your own heart, your own situations, you're tired. Sometimes it looks like the pastor's tired. And you. it is hard to listen. Would you come and say, God, I need your help to listen to your word because you brought me here. And I believe that this book is not just the Word of God past tense. It is the Word of God present and in future. It is the present Word of God. It's living and powerful, and it is it is profitable for my life, and I so need it right now. And so even if it doesn't come out the best possible way, even if Pastor Daniel comes up with a bummer sermon because he didn't deliver it well, your Word will come forward, and I need it. Would you come and listen to the Word? Would you come and listen to it when you meet in any small group or revival study? Will you listen to the Word of God every day? When I say listen, I don't mean just listen to it audibly. Would you listen to it by looking at it and reading it? But listen to what it says. Jesus told the disciples, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. He had a whole parable about hearing the Word of God. He said, the good soil are those who hear the word, they accept it and bear fruit. Be careful how you listen. So the first thing is through listening to the word. Secondly, through believing the word of God. Every Sunday, and so I'm going to apply it to Sundays, but now I'm applying it to all of our lives, not just Sunday when I get up and preach. We need to live upon the word by believing God's word. So we hear God's word, we, we don't just go into it doubting. We go in and say, this is God's word. God does not tell a lie. I need to believe it. This, I need to believe this word. God's word is not to be observed only, but listen or listen to. It's to believe and trust it in. God's words are to be received as coming from a dependable and loving commander. This requires a relationship with the, the word giver. That's that's. We have to have, this is relationship. I believe you. God never, in the old, in, in the book of the, the Garden of Eden, God didn't tell Adam and Eve why they couldn't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He just said, don't do it. And, he's, and he, was, he was saying, you need to live in relationship with me, trusting me that what I tell you is good. And, and that's enough. Because you're going to love me and believe me. Let's come each Sunday and listen to God's Word and believe God's Word. As we read through these passages of Scripture each week in this first series, and as we get into Colossians, we say, Oh God, this is your Word. Help me to believe it. The just shall live by faith. But not only do we believe it, we need to obey it. I like what my friend Dave Ann Eckert once told me. He said, most churches probably have had enough truths declared that if we just stopped and didn't declare anything new, and we just started obeying what we knew, we would have our hands full forever. Now, I think we need to keep repeating the truth. We need to keep going to the Word of God, but we need to do it so that we might obey the Word of truth. This is really important. For some people, obedience, oh, I don't like the word obedience. It gets in my way. 
Obedience gets in my way. I like to obey when I want to do it. But God's word is to these commandments I give you today that you might do them, and so you may go and prosper in the land. All authority has been given to me. Go make disciples, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. If you, he, blessed is he who hears my words and does it. He is like a man who builds his house upon a rock, a foundation. You're, and, and that's hard. And that's something that can, and the Bible says is a obedience of faith. An obedience of faith. It's not just I got to buckle down and do what God tells me. I believe Him. I don't understand why, but I believe Him. I'm going to obey. There. If you go to a doctor that you trust, you might not understand why in the world he's telling you no milk. But I'm going to obey him. I don't understand all the processes of how it's going to do it, but if he said that this would be very devastating to my body, I'm going to obey him because I believe and trust in him that it is good for me. We are to obey God's word knowing that God's word is good for me. We obey His commandments. We obey by trusting His promises. We obey by confessing when our hearts and actions are contrary to the Word. We obey by doing what God requires and abstaining from what He forbids. Here's the last thing. By treasuring the Lord. Our end goal isn't to just kind of with tight hands, I'm going to do it. God, it's your word. I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to like it. It's to love it. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and his delight in his law he meditates day and night. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. We sometimes look at the Old Testament law and go, that must have been horrible. That's not what David thought. David wrote, David and the psalmist would sing psalms of saying, Your law is my delight. It is a great treasure. It revives the soul. It makes the wise, the, the simple wise. It, it enlivens my heart. It changes me. I need your word. God's word is meant to be treasured. See, our goal in life, my goal, I, I once heard a, a preacher talk about this. When you're training your kids, you want to get your kids to obey the standard, right? You, want to, you have a certain standard, certain rules in the house. One of the standards might be just God's standard of obey your parents and the Lord and honor your father and mother. But that's not enough for a parent that wants to raise their kids up in the Lord. Your desire, your purpose is to not just get your kids to do the standard, but to love the standard. Because you love the standard giver that's God. Our goal is to not just to obey God's word, believe God's word, listen to God's word. It is to love God's word. It is to treasure God's word. It is to find it, like Jeremiah said, it is sweetness. I love it. It is my life. My soul gets restored. I'm so discouraged. I go to his word and I find him. I meet him. I'm, I'm wayward and God brings me back through his word and I find relief and freedom in God's will because that will is relieved is revealed to me in God's word. Here's the last point that you must get. Please, if you get it, do not zone out on this last point. Through Jesus Christ. I want you to see this. We need to live on the word of God. And I'm going to repeat this through this week. This is a theme. We need to listen 
to God's word. We need to believe God's word. We need to obey God's word. And we need to treasure God's word through Jesus Christ. Because I got bad news for you before I got good news. None of us can live upon God's word. I, one of our, none of us can rightly listen to, believe, obey, and treasure God's word. Adam showed us we couldn't do it. The first Adam showed us we could not live upon the word of God. We just went off on our own words. We twisted God's word. We went after our own ways. That is in the makeup of sinful mankind. All men and women are wired that way. We're prone that way. And we can't do it. But there is one person who did. He is actually called the Word of God. The Word made flesh. This is Jesus Christ. He is the Word who sustains the world by the power of His Word. This Jesus came, and on our behalf, he listened to God's word, the Father. He believed God's word. He obeyed God's word. He went to death on the cross, and he treasured God's word and fulfilled all righteous for us by laying himself down for our sins. He became he who is the word made flesh. So lived and obeyed and fulfilled the word so that the word of God does not become a bondage, but is God's grace to us, God's gift to us. We come to God's word, and we can't truly live upon God's word apart from Jesus doing it in us. The only way you can live upon the word of God is not to just kind of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and figure it out and do it. You need to say, Jesus, I am in you now. I am in you, and I'm united to you, and so in you... I must live upon your word. In you, I need to have your word to listen to it and obey. In you, I need to obey it and treasure it. You did. You will help me. I am yours. Help me do that. I conclude by this saying this. There might be some of you that though the word of God might be somewhat special to you in in some distant way, it is not a treasure. It's not something you truly believe and obey and listen to. And it might be because you have never had Jesus Christ come in and transform you from the inside out. The one who fulfilled all of the word and who is the word of God, Jesus Christ needs to do that. And he can do that to you and in you this morning. As you listen to this word, that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures for all who believe in him, for all who trust in him, to all who look to him alone. He takes away all your sins and he gives you life in himself. You are now right in God's eyes and will have an everlasting inheritance of joy in heaven. Be useful. And I invite you to do that. And I invite every one of you who has done that to again look alone to Jesus for the ability to treasure this word, to obey this word, to believe this word, and to listen to this word. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would please help Enliven your word 
we come and take of the table in just a minute, we are going to be reminded that word became flesh and dwelt among us and was broken for us and blood was shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. Oh God, thank you for that. And I pray that we would just, we would so depend and delight in your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.